Welcome to the Movement Church Podcast. Our vision is to be a movement of people finding their way back to God. We want to be a place where you can own your faith and take next steps in your relationship with Jesus. Maybe your next step is to seek out community and join a movement group. Maybe it's supporting movement financially for the first time or using your gifts on a volunteer team. Whatever God is calling you to do, our prayer is that you will step out in faith and let Him lead you. For more information about your next step, please visit movementcolumbus.com. I'm not sure if I should uh, tell everyone this or not, but worship was so good that I forgot there was a communion cup on my seat, and when I just sat down, I thought, oh man, I think I just broke my mic pack, and then... Then I felt a little liquid, and I thought, no, no, that's not, that's not my mic pack. The good news is it's not going to cost hundreds of dollars. The bad news is I've got a situation going on back here. So um, I've, got, I've got on dark jeans, so just pretend I didn't say that. We're going to roll with it this morning and, uh, and see where it gets us. So uh, anyway, my name is Mark, and I wish I could say, like, it's not usually like this, but it probably is. So uh, welcome, welcome to Movement. This is probably a pretty normal Sunday here. Uh, our staff uh, gets together every Tuesday uh, afternoon, and we have, we have staff meeting. Uh, it's probably a pretty normal staff meeting, at least in the church world. We'll spend some time praying together, praying for things that are going on uh, with people at our church. We'll spend some time talking uh, about just what's coming up, some project management stuff, planning. Uh, and, and even oftentimes, we, we read a book together, just talk through some leadership principles and, and things that we want to grow in. Uh, so that's, that's Tuesday afternoons. But one of my favorite parts of the week uh, for our staff is, is actually before our staff meeting. Every Tuesday uh, at, at noon, we have what we call staff lunch. And uh, I, I love this phrase that I heard long ago that says, collaboration is the language of trust. And so I think for us to trust each other as a church, to trust each other as a staff, uh, we need to spend time together. To like each other, we need to spend time together. And so I've done the most boss thing of all time and, and mandated that we have to spend time together, right? Because I want people to like me and I want to like people. And so we eat, we eat lunch together. And the reason I love our staff lunch is because it's, it's kind of just random. We end up talking about the most ridiculous things. Like someone will be like, hey, check out this meme I saw. Or check out this, uh, this YouTube video someone sent me. Check out, um, I, I went home this weekend. You're not going to believe what happened. You're not going to believe how crazy my parents are. You're not going to believe how crazy my kids are. We talk about all kinds of stuff. And sometimes questions will come up and, and someone will say like, oh, I was at Walmart and I ran into my high school girlfriend. It was so awkward. And then someone will throw out a question like, hey, tell us about your first date. And I always love uh, when these questions come out because you just never know what people are going to say. People will say like, hey, what was your first car? And we can kind of look back and just talk about random things. Or they'll say, hey, if you could take three things to a deserted island, what would you take? The most random questions, the most random answers. And it, makes, it just makes for great conversation. And so uh, I've been known to uh, steer the conversation into pop culture and hip hop. Sometimes I'll stop staff lunch and explain the cultural significance of the Wu-Tang Clan. At uh, one time, uh, I was upset because no one on our staff really understood how important TLC was. And so I explained that prior to Destiny's Child, they were the highest selling girl group of all time. No one cared. It was really, uh, it just, it, it shook me to be honest. And so, uh, but everybody has their, their own things they like to, to talk about. This last week, uh, someone asked the question, what's your favorite childhood movie? And they said, I'm not talking about like, uh, you know, the, the Disney movie you liked when you were five years old. What was the movie, you know, like middle school, high school that you loved to watch? And, and what, was, what was that movie? And uh, so everybody went around the room and it, it was amazing to me that multiple people mentioned the movie Inception. 
Now, I don't want to be in the uh, business of spoiler alerts, although I'll probably accidentally create one here. Uh, but the, the movie Inception, if you haven't seen it, is one of those movies that's very well known. You, you think it's headed one direction. You're like tracking with the characters of the plot. And then all of a sudden at the end, it's just like plot twist. And you're like, what happened? And it kind of, kind of blows your mind, right? So we were, we were talking about that movie. And I, it got me thinking back over the course of my life, just other movies that have kind of blown my mind or had a, a plot twist. And I came up with this list. There's a movie called The Sixth Sense. Now, I'm probably dating some people right here where you're like, oh, you know, based on the movie you connect with, you'll probably be telling your age. So that's, that's okay, though. But I remember uh, watching The Sixth Sense and spoiler alert at the end, I'm like, he was dead the whole time? What? You know, that, that really, really threw me for a loop. And then there was a movie movie uh, called The Usual Suspects that really got me. When I was younger, there was a movie that broke my heart called My Girl. Don't watch it if you don't want to cry. All right. I'm just going to throw that out there. Uh, there, there just, it, was a, it was a movie that got me. Okay. Let's not talk about it. All right. But um, it got me thinking back to movies and often movies that really connect with people, movies that really get our attention are movies where we, we didn't see the, the storyline taking that turn. We didn't see the plot twist coming. And it's, it's not just movies. Uh, I think back to uh, a couple presidential elections ago, uh, the, I, think, I think most of the, the, the country, or at least the media, there was a certain narrative, not trying to get political here, I promise, but, but everyone said like, oh, this person's going to win. And I remember there was a moment where we're like, no, I think this, this guy's going to win. In fact, I, I saw this week uh, the, the Boston newspaper when Donald Trump won the presidency, their headline was just wicked shocker, right? That's, that's apparently how they talk uh, in Boston. But it was like, whoa, plot twist, all right? So often in movies and stories in life, things like that get our attention. I saw another thing this week that said that Kanye West, for like the second year in a row, is the highest selling gospel artist. Now, if you would have asked me 10 years ago, is that a wicked shocker? I would have been like, yeah, didn't, didn't see that coming right? All right. Some of you this week, uh, the shocker, the plot twist of your week was, was that the Michigan Wolverines won a, won a game this last week, right? Some of you, some of you, the, the plot twist was how immature your neighbors are when the Michigan Wolverines win a game, all right? And we're getting a little personal here. I'm sorry, Ohio people. It might be me included, right? But, but sometimes we don't see the, the story coming. And so as, as we go into Christmas season, as we go into this month this year, as we're going to be entering our Christmas series, I want us to be looking at this story and understanding that probably one of the greatest plot twists of all time, one of the greatest surprise stories, one of the things that no one would have seen coming, something that would have been a, a shocking story would have been the arrival and the birth and the announcement of, of Jesus, the Christmas story and, and how that unfolded. And I think sometimes that we're not shocked by this story. We're not surprised by this story because this is like our 20th or 30th time watching this movie, right? That first time, maybe there was a, a little bit of shock, and now we're like, yeah, 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 I've seen this part. Let's just, let's get to the, get to the good part, get to the end, let's, let's talk about it, right? For some of us, this is our 40th time watching this movie, and so we're like, eh, it's, it's kind of miraculous, I guess. My prayer as we begin this series today and as we go through this, this next month is that we can read and, and listen to this story with, with new ears, that we can look at this story for the first time again and, and realize exactly what God was bringing together and what God was putting in place. Because the Bible tells one long, continuous story. God created man and woman. God created everything that we see in creation. He created us in his glory, out of his glory, in his image, and he wanted us to know him. And at the height of all of those things, Adam and Eve messed up. And because we're all linked as humans, we, we all kind of follow along with them and we were drugged down into sin. 
And yet in the Garden of Eden, there was a promise. There was a promise that eventually would lead to the gospel. Eve was told that in pain, she would give birth. And there's actually a verse that says this in Genesis. It says, then the man, Adam, named his wife Eve because she would be the mother of all who would live. And I love the significance of that because she was not just the mother of all who would live physically, but all who would live spiritually because you can trace their line ultimately to the line of Jesus. And even when everything had gone wrong, even when, when God's creation seemed to, to be upended, it was not outside of the line of that story. And from that point forward, our world was looking for a fulfilled promise. And Christmas is the answer to that promise. Christmas is the answer that gives us hope. And so Jesus came to us through a daughter of Eve, a woman named Mary, that God conceived a child in her. And the story of the arrival of that miraculous son is the story of Christmas and the story that we want to celebrate today. In fact, we want to look at how God chooses to make the grand announcement of the arrival and the birth of that child, his son, Jesus. And so if you want to turn in your Bible, if you've got one there, you want to look up this story, we're going to be in Luke chapter 2, verses 8 to 12 today. Luke chapter 2, verses 8 to 12. In many of the Bibles that are under your seats there, if you want to grab one of those, it's page 781. And today we just want to look at the Christmas story and be reminded that there's hope and hope of the gospel in God's plan. No matter who we are, where we find ourselves, Jesus pursues us and overcomes the titles and the boundaries and things that the world projects on us. And so this Christmas series that we're doing this year is called Bridge Builder because we want to be reminded that we're sent on mission. We're invited into the mission of Jesus as he builds bridges to the world around us. So I want to read out of Luke chapter 2, verses 8 to 12, page 781 there. You can join me in, in verse 8. Take some notes if, if you're challenged by something. It says this, that night there were shepherds staying in the fields nearby, guarding their flocks of sheep. Suddenly an angel of the Lord appeared among them, and the radiance of the Lord's glory surrounded them. They were terrified. But the angel reassured them, don't be afraid, he said. I bring you good news that will bring great joy to all people. The Savior, yes, the Messiah, the Lord, has been born today in Bethlehem, the city of David. And you will recognize him by this sign. You will find a baby wrapped snugly in strips of cloth, lying in a manger. Verse 8 starts off there and says, That night there were shepherds staying in the fields nearby, guarding their flocks of sheep. And I think it's interesting because when we hear the word shepherd, I think that we kind of have this modern picture. We picture like a buff guy wearing like a robe that probably has a hood over it because those are really in style right now. And we, we picture someone like carrying a, a small lamb that just says like, Meh, right, or something like that on, on his shoulders. And it's just this like perfect picture where you're just like, that man is a provider. That lamb is beautiful. What a picture this is, right? And, and we, we, we think that because most of us have never been around animals or never actually watched some of these things unfold. But that's a, that's a picture of being a shepherd that's a little generous, if I'm, if I'm being honest. When you hear shepherd, you picture these rolling green fields. In fact, uh, my wife Kristen and I had a chance to go to England a couple years ago uh, for our anniversary. We'd always wanted to go there, and, and we were like, okay, what's on our, our England uh, bucket list? And I, I just said, I want to go to a giant estate where there's rolling hills, and I want to watch lambs frolicking through those hills, right? And I know how American tourist that sounds, but that's exactly what we did. We, we found this estate called Chatsworth. Uh, when I say it, I like to whisper it, Chatsworth, because I think it sounds cooler. 
Um, but we went to this place and it was just this house. I don't know who built it, but it was way too big and just ridiculous. We walked through it, you know, and they're telling us about these rugs and all the things that make this house so expensive. And there were just, there were just sheep everywhere. Right. And they would, I tried to get close to one to take a picture. It didn't really go well, but we were taking pictures of them on the hillside and we're just like, Oh, this is perfect. It was my exact picture of what I, what I thought the English countryside was like. And here's the honest truth. That was not the life of a shepherd at all, right? Shepherds in this day and age were uneducated. They were, they were unsophisticated. They were, they were the poorer people of, of society as it exists in that time. In fact, if you would have gone to a kindergarten class and you would have said, hey, what do you want to be when you grow up? People People would have said, you know, oh, I want to be, I want to be uh, a priest. I want to be a, a king. No one, no little kid would have said, I want to be a shepherd. Because no one wanted to be a shepherd. That's just, that's just the reality of, of their culture at that time. I worked a job uh, when I graduated high school, the summer after I graduated high school, I think maybe I've told some of you this before, my dad uh, got in his head that I needed to work at this place because it would make me a man. It was this place that fixed semi-trailers. And so when, uh, when, when drivers would drive under a low bridge and rip, rip the top off of a semi, that's what this place did. They would put a new roof on the semi-trailer. And so we were always unloading things in these wrecked semis. And one time I got to unload a whole trailer full of flour and pallets of flour after the top had been ripped off this. It had been driven to our facility uh, and it sat in the rain and then it sat in the hot sun and then the rain and then the hot sun and there was flour. And so it was disgusting. It was starting to rot and there were like maggots and flies in this trailer. And, and I was the new guy and they're like, hey, unload that trailer so we can fix everything. And so I would, I would run into this trailer and hold my breath and then I would shovel or grab some bags and, and carry things out. And I, I'll never forget doing that job because I can't, I, I, I couldn't unsmell or unsee what, what I saw in, in that trailer. And if I were to try and explain the magnitude of, of being a shepherd, I guess I would maybe compare it to that, at least in my experience, because most people don't fathom what, what shepherds were going through, right? They, they weren't staying at Best Western hotels as they caravaned around the countryside and using their VIP card and collecting points. No, they were, they were sleeping on the floor. They were sleeping on the ground and they were sleeping around animals and they were sleeping in the mud and they were sleeping in the elements and they were around disgusting, dumb animals and these animals weren't always healthy and so they were around them as they were having problems and they were trying to keep them healthy and keep them on the mend and this job is not a job that people would want. Shepherds were in a, a different class of society. They were looked down upon. They were outsiders. They were people that, that wouldn't have, have, have thrived in the social structure of, of that day. Here's what I want you to know about shepherds. No one, no one would have ever been like, oh, hey, there's a shepherd. Let's go talk to that guy. Because they would have been the people when they had to go into town, when they got back into town, they would have looked different. They would have been covered in the parts of their, their job. They might have they smelled a little different and no one would have said, oh, let's go ask that guy for directions. Shepherds were not viewed positively in society. And so no one moved towards shepherds. Everyone moved away from shepherds. They would have been judged and looked down upon. And so this announcement that's made in verse eight, this story that we see unfolding is significant. The announcement to the shepherds of the birth and arrival of Jesus and of the Savior conveys more theological significance, I think, than we sometimes realize. 
because I had a nativity scene growing up and we would set that thing up and we're like, oh, look at that shepherd. Look how great he looks. He looks like he got his master's degree in shepherding. And that's not the full story. That's not the cultural significance. That's not the theological significance. Shepherds would have even been considered untrustworthy because of their status in society. They were considered ceremonially unclean because of what was in place religious, religiously in those days. And, and so the most obvious thing that I want to point out today and the implication that the gospel came for all of us is that the, the arrival and the birth of Jesus was first announced to the social outcasts of the world and of this culture, to the shepherds. Jesus was announced by an unexpected group. His arrival, his birth, his presence and the plan of God and what was going to unfold in this story was announced by an unexpected group. Verse 9 says this, Suddenly an angel of the Lord appeared among them, and the radiance of the Lord's glory surrounded them. They were terrified. There's that plot twist that we were talking about already. There's that part of the story that no one saw coming. This is the part of the story that people would have said like, yeah, yeah, that was, that was a shock to me. I did not think that was going to happen. If you had a, a huge thing to announce in that day, if you had this life-changing, earth-shattering news that you were going to unfold for all of humanity for all time, this is not the part of town you would go to, and these are not the people you would go to. Think of it like this. If you were going to tell some news to the city of Columbus, to the state of Ohio right now, we all know that there's a certain way that you would do that, right? I think we can all admit that our economy rises and falls on Ohio State football around here, right? So if you were going to announce something, if you were going to launch a new app or a new business, or you wanted everyone to sign off on that thing, you wanted everyone to take notice and know, there's people that you would say, all right, how can I get Ryan Day to hold my product? Maybe at his next press conference, I can get him to just say, you know what I really like? Mountain Dew or whatever that thing is we're trying to sell, right? If you're trying to sell something, there's a certain audience, a certain demographic, a certain people, a certain status that you want to get into and this would have not been even close. We can all probably picture certain neighborhoods or certain suburbs in Columbus that we think hold the power of this community. We can all probably think of athletes and venture capitalists and maybe even larger churches, different demographics, things that we think that's where important things are happening and that's how you can break into a community. And this Christmas story does not go through powerful people. It does not go through important people. It does not go through talented people or well-connected people. It doesn't go through Caesar. It doesn't go through the Roman government. It doesn't go through the Sanhedrin or the scribes or the Pharisees or not the classes of people that would have been part of a great business plan to announce the arrival of Jesus, to announce that good news in the gospel is coming. That's not random chance. That may be a shock to us. That might feel like a plot twist to us, but that is not an accident. That is not a surprise. That was not a plot twist to God's timeline and God's plan. Verse 10 says this, but the angel reassured them, don't be afraid. He said, I bring you good news that will bring great joy to all people. I bring you good news. We know that 
The word gospel means good news. The gospel is good news. The gospel that Jesus was coming to this world because we had sinned, because we had been separated from God. He was coming to this world to give his life, to pay the price for our sins, to close the gap between us and God so that we can know God and have a relationship with God and be found in him and rest in him and know love and know peace. Jesus was bringing that good news, that hope, to this world. Most organizations don't unfold like this. They don't treat people like this. Most organizations wouldn't say, hey, this applies to everybody. It's available for everybody. This good news that they said would lead to great joy was available to everyone. When this passage says that this good news, the gospel was available to everyone and would bring joy to everyone, it's saying that this is not circumstantial. See, joy doesn't fade. Happiness fades, circumstances change, but joy cannot be taken away. And so the gospel is not just for a subset of people. The gospel is not just this temporary glow that's going to go away with the holidays. It's not just available for homeowners or people that make a certain amount or people with an accredited four-year degree or people that are in a certain social group. The gospel, this good news was available for all people. The good news of the gospel is for all people. What's amazing about that is we're seeing that lived out through the announcement. God's saying, oh, you thought the gospel was going to be available for these people or maybe these people? No, no, it's available for these people in all of the world. I remember when I moved to Columbus and I was told that my first job would have a little bit of money that was set aside for retirement. And they said, so you'll need to find a financial planner. And so I, I called one up and, and he said, well, how much money do you have to invest? And I was like, well, not, not a ton. He's like, what do you do for a living? And I was like, I'm a youth pastor. And uh, he said, so what kind of money are we talking? We're we talking like this much money? And I was like, well, more like this much, right? And he said, okay, well, um, I want you to know that our firm will be able to work with you, but uh, I will not personally be working with you. It will be my son-in-law. And he's been a financial planner for about an hour. And so he's going to do really well with your money and you can trust this guy. That was one of my first moments as an adult where I thought like, all right, these people, they don't, they don't really, uh, they don't value me. What I love about this story, what I love about the, the fact that we see the gospel being brought to the shepherds and announced the gospel, this good news of the arrival of Jesus and the hope that would come to the world through him, it's very obvious the gospel is available for all people, accessible for all people. The gospel is not just for the rich. It's not just for the poor. It's for everyone and everyone in between on that spectrum. The Christmas story later, as we, we see Jesus being born and Mary and Joseph going to the temple, one of the things that they do is they, they sacrifice two small birds. And so I love that all throughout this Christmas narrative, if you get to read that with your family, with your kids, this holiday season, you can see that God would not allow for poverty or other circumstances to keep people from communion with him from worshiping him, from a relationship with him, from knowing him. I've seen that part of the story my whole life, and you just think like, oh yeah, they sacrificed some birds because that's what people did back then in those temples. 
But that was not considered a great sacrifice. And yet even in the law, even in the rules that were set up, God said, I want everyone to be able to know me and come to my temple and have interaction with me. And so he set it up in the law. Anyone back then would have been able to afford two small birds. That was not the greatest sacrifice to get in the temple, but God was building bridges and God was taking away barriers and he was saying, this good news, this gospel, the hope that is found in my son, the reason we celebrate Christmas is available to everyone. God was saying the the spirit of this, whoever you are and wherever you are, I want you to know me. I want you to know my glory. I want you to know my grace. Verse 11 goes on to say this, the Savior, yes, the Messiah, the Lord, has been born today in Bethlehem, the city of David, and you will recognize him by this sign. You will find a baby wrapped snugly in strips of cloth lying in a manger. This announcement, this phrase, for unto you, the Savior, the Messiah, is a big deal because this group of shepherds did not have a lot of things that were available to them. They did not have a lot of people making themselves available to them. They probably never had random strangers step toward them and invite them into something that would be life-changing or even considered good or above average. So the gospel, the good news, is being postured differently than the rest of culture. Because the shepherds are being told, you belong at the center of this story. Not just you're going to be an auxiliary outside piece of this story. You are at the center of the story of the arrival of Jesus. You are at the center of this story and the hope that the gospel brings. And the gospel is for everybody. God redeems the story of Adam and Eve and he redeems the story of David and he redeems those family lines. And God keeps his word and fulfills prophecy and brings hope through Jesus. The gospel, the good news, the hope that comes with Jesus is available to everyone. So I think that as we read this, we'd have to ask a couple of questions as we look at our own hearts and our own lives. Are we sending the message this holiday season, this year, through our lives, through our actions, through our words, as we intersect with our community, are we saying with our lives, for unto you, a child is born. Are we making the gospel available for everyone that we intersect with? Because it's not like the angels arrived and then looked down and said, ah, you know what? Let me, GPS is a little off. I'm going to go two miles that way to some more important people that make me feel comfortable that I kind of vibe with. And I'm going to make the announcement to them. God knew exactly who he was bringing the gospel to and he's sending us to the world with that same gospel, that same good news. Are we representing good news to the world, to every person? Are we making the gospel available to everyone? Not just people that we have similar interests with, not just people that have similar earning, not just the people that live in our immediate neighborhood, Not just the family members that we like, not just the people we want to celebrate Christmas with, but the people that might take our promotion, 
the people that have gossiped about us in the past, the people that have hurt us, the people that are different from us? Are we living good news? Are we living a gospel that just like this announcement is saying, this is for everyone. This gospel is available for everyone. I think for many of us, there's a temptation to only move toward people that we know and people that we're comfortable with. So I want us to feel these verses this morning and and don't forget them. Remember that this story is different from other stories that we've read and this plot unfolds a little different in a very purposeful way. The angels burst onto the scene and leaned in toward an audience that no one else would lean in toward and said, this gospel, this good news, this hope for your wrecked life, for your life that's been falling apart, this hope and this love and this peace that's only found in Jesus is available for you and is available for you and is available for you. I had a conversation this week uh, in my office with a, a friend and we were talking about the gospel being available for us. And as clearly as I I could, I got to explain that to him. And I said, listen, there's a moment that we realize we've been walking away from God. And and there's a moment that we turn and we say, "I'm, I'm in need of a savior. I'm in need of a Messiah. I'm in need of Jesus. And I'm going to walk toward him. I'm going to surrender my life. I'm going to say, Jesus, I'm, I'm not enough but you are. And I'm going to identify with your death and burial and resurrection so that I can know you and know God and rest with him for eternity. And we were talking about that and my friend said something that I'll I'll never forget. He said, yeah, I'll I'll think about that. It's a good thing to think about. And I didn't want to be the person that was talking him into anything or tricking him into anything. And I said, okay, but you know you don't just have to think about that. There's an actual literal moment where you say, I'm not going to be selfish. I'm not going to walk away from God anymore. I'm going to turn toward him and I'm going to walk toward him. And that might not be perfect and it might not feel perfect and there might be some ups and downs, but in turning toward him, you are saying, my life is pointed toward you and I am surrendered to you. I'm rooted in that gospel and in that good news and Jesus, my life is yours. The reason I, I say that today is I had an awakening this week and I realized that, that sometimes we talk in generalities. Sometimes we talk about the gospel. Sometimes we talk about surrender. Sometimes we talk about a relationship and we don't communicate the fact that that, that relationship, that hope, that surrender, that turning point has a starting moment. And that starting moment is surrender and it's a decision to say, Jesus, I'm all yours. And that moment can be when when you hear the announcement for the first time of the gospel, it can be when you connect the dots, but that moment has a starting point. And my prayer this week was that there's someone in this room that this is their starting point. My friend that was in my office this week, that was, that was his starting point. He, he prayed in my office to surrender his life to Jesus. And he said, I'm so glad you explained that there was a, a starting point, that that was a decision that I could make now because that had escaped me somehow. I didn't realize that until right now. Friends, Movement Church, I I want you to know hope is here and hope is available for everyone. The gospel, the good news, the arrival of Jesus that we can know him, we can rest in him, we can be found in him is here right now. We can turn toward Jesus. We can say, Jesus, my life is yours. My future is yours. My decisions, my career, 
I surrender it all to you. That can be a decision that you make today as we continue to worship. Let's pray together. God, thank you for your word. Thank you for the Christmas story. And Lord, thank you for the shepherds being included in that story. For the reminder, Lord, that the gospel is available to everyone. Lord, that the announcement of Jesus to the shepherds reminds us, Lord, the gospel is available to us, to everyone that we encounter. And it's our job to be shepherds, to take the gospel to the world. Lord, help us to be found in that hope, to share that hope, to include others in the hope of following you and hope this holiday season. It's in the name of Jesus I pray. Amen. Thanks for listening to the Movement Church Podcast. Our vision is to be a movement of people finding their way back to God. We hope wherever you are, this message encouraged you to take your next step in your relationship with Jesus. For more information about Movement Church, including attending a worship experience, getting connected, or giving online, please visit movementcolumbus.com.